With the IPL looming and England's Red Bull reset beginning with the England West Indies test, there's plenty for us to discuss on with our guest for the episode, John Batham. John is an ECB accredited freelancer with more than 15 years of experience writing as a commentator on guerrilla cricket, where you can listen to expert commentary on all England matches and more. Without further ado, let's get started. I think it's best for us to start on the England West Indies series, considering it's going on. Uh, today's the fifth uh, day, starting at 2pm UK time. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be a draw, I think, because Eng- England scored something around 500, West Indies around 400. England got a lead of around 130, and um, there's only one day left to play. D- there's been questions on England's bowling attack, especially considering the batting has performed. You know, scoring 500 for England is a huge deal because we haven't scored that high in a, well, quite a long while. But do you, do you think, John, that England are putting their um, strongest bowling attack out for the West Indies series? Or do you think there are some people who are missing who could be uh, who would perform better? It, it, it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a surprise, hasn't it, really? I mean, in I think in the wake of the Ashes series and how bad it was, and, and let and let's be honest, it was dreadful. Um I think we figured that there would be some kind of shake-up. Um, but somewhat strangely, uh, we've done very little with a batting lineup that completely misfired um, and kicked out our two senior bowlers, which I find somewhat baffling. Um, and, and what's happened is we've, we've had two pitches which have been slow and dead, which in itself is, is a shame because... West Indies cricket's been renowned for, uh, cer- certainly in most of my era, for, you know, pacey, bouncy pitches on which batsmen could play shots. And we've produced two pitches which have been dead as a dodo. Um, and so, therefore, we've scored some runs. How much value can you attribute to them? I'm not sure. Um, and then faced ourselves with the prospect of, trying to bowl out a West Indies side who have basically set up camp to uh, bat from here to eternity um, with a bowling attack that's inexperienced and struggling. I mean, you've got, you've got Chris Wokes, bless him, who never takes wickets abroad. And let's be honest, is being picked because he can, he can bat at number eight, and score some runs. So yet again, we're picking a cricket team because we're worried about the fact that we might not make enough runs. And then lo and behold, we do make enough runs because the pitch is really slow. And then we've got a guy who can't take wickets. Now yeah. we, complica- we complicate that, by the way, by leaving out both Broad and Anderson, which is slightly weird. Um, if I'm honest, I would have probably taken one and not the other. And whichever one you take, that's up to you, really, because, um, yes, you've got to phase them out at some stage. But to complicate that, we take we take Mark Wood with an injury. Lo and behold, he's now injured. We take Ollie Robinson, who I think is a really, really good bowler, by the way, um, over which there are questions about his fitness, and he hasn't bowled a ball in the series. So then, so then you've got um, Mahmood, who, who are equally, I think, is a very good bowler, but obviously 
very inexperienced at this level. You've got Fisher, who most people had never heard of before the series started. And you've got Leach, who you didn't trust the bowl in the ashes, but now apparently he can. And in your batting lineup, you've got Dan Lawrence, who's actually proved that he's quite useful. But in the ashes, we didn't even pick him when Ben Stokes was standing on one leg. Yeah, there, there are a few weird things going on here, I think. No, I, you pretty much summed it up. It's it's crazy because the team that we're picking now is it's basically anyone who's rejected in the ashes, who's just been put back into the team and suddenly performing really well. You've got to take the scores against West Indies with a pinch of salt because you know the pitch was flat. West Indies bowling attack isn't exactly world class. It's it's quite um, weak compared to um, the Australian bowling attack, especially. So it just sort of looks like a group of rejects have been like pushed back into the team and somehow jumbled to make uh, a team that's somehow performing. But in terms of bowling, there's just a, there, it's pretty toothless. Like we, we haven't been able to take wickets. Like we're taking wickets, one wicket, and then there's not been a, a follow-on. There's not been like a cluster of wickets. Zage, who do you think is the issue in terms of bowling? Like, who do you think the person is most likely to get um, dropped after this test or after the West Indies series? So I'm not really sure. Like, I uh, I agree with you. Like, the England attack has looked slightly toothless at times. Not really, you're not really doing their role, what they're meant to be doing. And it's always disappointing when you have uh, a great first innings and then what was 500 or so. And then your bowlers can't really like back it up. And then West Indies scored like 400. So then I'm sure England were probably disappointed at this point. So I'm not really sure. I think Saki Mahmood, he's bowled pretty well. And he could possibly be like um, a, a long term spinner, maybe not sorry, long term. Um, fast bowler maybe like uh, instead of when 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 Stuart Broad eventually retires so I think Saki Mahmood is doing well on Robinson as John you said I think he's a great bowler as well he's he's, he's been doing really well every ever since he's come into the team so and then you've got that like um, selection weird stuff like Matthew Fisher no one's really heard of him and then as as you pointed out John it's really really confusing and then I'm not really sure like what's going on with the England attack. It's just like as we as you guys have said, like um, it's just like a bunch of rejects just come back and then somehow it's the batting is doing well. And then I'm not really sure like the bowling they just kind of got kind of like coordinate together the the, the fast bowlers and then the spinners coordinate together and then just just work together to form form a plan and then try and execute that plan in the match. It's, it's all in good just having your own skill, but like you need to implement that skill into your own team and like coordinate with your other bowlers. It, it's, it's similar with batting as well. You coordinate with your other players and decide on how you're going to approach the game and just and then go from there, which I think will be a much better approach to take rather than just going, uh, I have this skill, let me just do that. So I think I don't think there's anything wrong with the skill of the bowlers. I just think it's a bit of a coordination issue. And I just think if they do that, then I'm sure England, English bowling will improve much further. Yeah, I think it's a lack of balance and a lack of um, direction. Like we've just picked people, all different abilities and different uh, levels of experience. We haven't got someone who's extremely experienced to like guide them as such. And there's no unity. You know, we've we've got like, um, you know, we've got Jack Leach, who's been bowling, who's bowling way too many uh, too many balls that can just easily be smashed. He sort of looks a bit lack of confidence and he's bowling 70 overs 
he has a he's kept one end tight, but in the end, he's not doing what uh, spinners should really be doing and attacking the stumps and taking regular wickets. And that's been a bit worrying. But um, John, if you could uh, drop one person from the current um, England team, uh, sorry, one bowler more specifically, um, who would you drop and who would you replace them with? It, it, it's, a, it's a difficult issue, isn't it? I mean, see, I think, I think Saeed's right. Why, why, why did we take Fisher on the tour? We took Fisher on the tour to give him some experience touring with the England team. The, the problem has come that we've now had to pick him because half the other guys that we took with us are injured. Um, he was supposed to come along, see how it all worked. He, he's, a, he's a guy in the making. We're going to work on him. In the next two or three years, he's supposed to break into the test team. That's now gone wrong because he's had to play. Um, you see, Wokes on a standard English wicket in the summer will be okay because he'll bowl all right. But every time you take him abroad, he doesn't, he doesn't get any wickets. So is that a solution? Um, you see, my, ne my next question about this tour is, what was the objective? Was the objective to reset after the Ashes and explore with some people and not worry too much about the result? Or did we intend to win the series? If, if the idea was for a reset, then why are we not playing Matt Parkinson, um, who is worth having a look at? Well, possibly the answer to that is because the pitches are dead and there's no bounce in them. So there, there, are, there are all sorts of issues at play here. And we, and we have to remember that we, we've left Broad and Anderson behind. Um, Archer's not been fit, who, when he is fit, is the first bowler on the list going forward because he has to be. Um, so somebody's going to have to make some decisions at some point because they can't all play. Um, but soon, sooner or later, pitch suitable or not, we need to take a look at Parkinson. Um, yeah, because, Park because Parkinson's a wicket taker. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. But, but that comes down to what do you want your spinner to do? Do you want your spinner to block an end up so that you can rotate your seam bowlers and just bowl line and tight and everything else? Or do you want him to get people out? Yeah, no, I think we've seen with um, this test match, Jack Leach has been, you know, holding line up people 70 overs in um, West Indies' first innings. And um, he had a meagre economy, but in the end, it didn't exactly help England. You know, West Indies shouldn't have scored 400 runs when England have scored 500. They should have scored 200, 300 max. So, and that's that's purely because, you know, the spin, Jack Leach isn't threatening enough. And it's, for me, the issues with the spinners, you know, we've got, um, when Jack Leach is in the team, for example, you either got Don Bess or Matt Parkinson on standby, just waiting, you know, they've, all these, all three of our spinners have just been on the sideline for so long and they've been, they've just wasted their time just following the England setup, not had any opportunity. And then, and then one of them gets dropped and then one goes back to the counties and the other one comes and plays, but then Matt Parkinson has just stayed there. He hasn't been given an opportunity. And you know, we've seen like leg spinners can be effective in test cricket and there's no doubt about it. It's just, are you willing to take that risk and try it? And with England's so-called reset, I think they should be willing to take that risk and uh, try a spinner. I think we'll talk more on um, Saqib Mood and his um, possible future in the test team. Uh, John, how did you uh, feel about Saqib Mood's performance and do you think he has a future in test cricket? Uh, 
yeah, I do. I think I think he's I think he's bowled pretty well. I think is right. I think he's done the sort of things that that we might expect of him. Um, the thing the thing that baffles me is if you're going to play Saqib Mahmood, um, he having been on the fringes of the England team for quite some while, why isn't he bowling with a new ball? Why did he not take the new ball? Why why wasn't he why wasn't he even first change? In actual fact, he wasn't even second change. He was fifth bowler in this test match. I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand that. I've I've seen the boy bowl with a new ball in county cricket, and he's dangerous. He's probably our seam bowler most likely to get a wicket. And I would have thought if you've got 500 on the board, then give the ball to the guy who's most likely to get you a wicket at the top. That should have been Saqib Mahmood. That was an error. Now, I don't know whose idea that was. Um, if, if it's come from the coaches, that's an error. Uh, if it's come from Root, um, that's an error. But then Joe Root and captaincy is a whole separate subject um i don't actually think he's a particularly good one um and i think the ashes series has shown particularly as he remains part of the recess captain i think the reason that he's still the captain of england is that there's no obvious alternative so you have somebody who's captain by default which in itself is a problem yeah it's sort of like um uh, Australia, Tim Payne, these last couple of years, you know, they had a, a huge scandal. They needed a, someone who could just take them and lead them out and sort of get their reputation back. But then Tim Payne himself wasn't scoring any runs. You know, he's, he's I think his highest in that test group is not, he's not even scored a century, I don't think so. But um, uh, yeah, no, you, you're completely right. You've got to, if you want to do a reset, you've got to give everyone up, you've got to give people like Steve Moon an opportunity. But um, Zay, what do you feel on, um, uh, to keep Mahmood and do you think that he should have given more of an opportunity like with, especially with the new ball I think I completely agree with John here I think Saki Mahmood were really confused why he hasn't uh, opened the bowling here like he's a fifth bowler that's a bit shocking really and I think like Chris Wokes opened the bowling with Fisher I think Chris Wokes yeah as John has pointed out a couple of times here like he, he, can't, he can't he's not really getting wickets abroad so I really think it's a real shame that I haven't seen we haven't seen Saki removed opening um, the bowling instead of works. I really want to see that um, instead of works just opening bowling. I think uh, Saki removed he's really got that skill and talent. He's a young uh, he's he's a young bowler. He's coming through the ranks, and I really want to see him opening the bowling uh, in future, especially in these uh, sorts of conditions. You've got five hundred on the board, so why don't you give your um, I didn't give the ball to your bowler who can pick up your wickets. And he's sort of, for me, he's sort of like a, a next Stuart Broad or something like that and for when Stuart Broad eventually retires. So I really want to see him coming in the future, uh, opening the bowling with someone else. And I think Chris Wilkes, he's just not really the right man to be opening the bowling, especially in these conditions. Like, you can't really just keep him for the batting. Like, you... You need if you're having someone batting at eight to score some runs, then you've got to have him uh, being able to bowl a bit as well. And because obviously he can bowl, but like we want to see him more as a wicket taker. 
So for me, I think Saki Mamu's got a great future, and but I just want to see him uh, more in that bowling tap, bowling at the at the top much more. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. I think general consensus with all three of us is is that England's decision making has just been poor. They haven't. They've sort of balanced. They've sort of been in the middle. You know, they want to do a reset. They want to reset Red Bull reset, but also they want to um, win the series, sort of. And the decision making's just been really strange. But yeah, um, John, you mentioned like the county uh, county cricket when you're talking about Sakib Mahmood. What do you th- actually feel about the county system itself? You know, and um, there's always been a bit of talk about you know how county bowlers are generally not as good as your, the bowlers you face in international cricket, and whether the pitches are ready, you know, and set up for um, t- to produce international talents. Um, what is your view on the county system in general? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of talk about this, hasn't there? I mean, I, I was I was very interested to hear Andrew Strauss talking about it before this test match and because because obviously there's there's a big there's a big amount of talk about you know we have too many counties and that kind of thing and Andrew Strauss has tended to suggest before the test match that he's not he's not necessarily on that train of thought um I think what frustrates me particularly as somebody who watches a lot of county cricket is that a lot of the a lot of the critics of county cricket don't actually watch any county cricket this is this is the problem you see the the biggest criticizer of county cricket sad to say is kevin peterson who, who's always saying oh county cricket's rubbish um it needs to be thinned out there needs to be franchises uh, razzmatazz, blah blah blah. You need you need to get the elite playing the, right at the top. So you need to get rid of all the verbiage and and all the rest of it. Now, I'm pretty sure that Kevin Peterson doesn't watch much county cricket. If he if he does, he can write to me and tell me that he watches county cricket. But I've never seen him watching any. Um, and the other thing to say, of course, is. Um, how did Kevin Peterson get to be an elite cricketer? Well, the answer to that is he came to England and he played in county cricket. So he played in county cricket and now he's busy trying to tread all over county cricket and say it's rubbish. Well, why is he doing that? Because, let let me tell you why he's doing that. Because he's a white ball commentator. He's a white ball commentator who makes his money in white ball commentary. And so therefore, uh, for white ball cricket to be dominant suits him because that's where he makes his money. Now, okay, fair enough. He's looking after his own interests. I get that. Um, But his own interests are not necessarily in the interests of the game. Um, Let's let's look at this a little bit more widely. What what else have we seen this winter? We have seen um, a racism scandal at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Um, which has highlighted yet again that um, cricket is predominantly in in England um, a white man's game dominated by white privilege. White privilege is a thing. It exists, right? Um, As a white man who's watched cricket for 50 years, I can say that. Um, If you reduce the number of counties and you create franchises, what will happen is cricket will become even more of a white man's game than it is already. 
The, pro the problem is we're not tapping into the non-white talent that exists in Britain because we have an elitist system where most of the cricket is played in private schools, which surprise, surprise, are full of white people. Um, now, when I was a kid in a comprehensive school in Hillingdon that had quite a lot of non-white people in it, we had a mass, two massive sets of school playing fields with about four football pitches, a rugby pitch, a cricket pitch, um, an athletics track, um, a long jump pit, a shop at a circle, and we did all sorts, right? Part of the problem here is a political one in that a lot of those fields have disappeared and been built on, and so therefore you get even less cricket taught in schools at that level. If you're going to address the racism issue, you're going to have to get cricket into state schools. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get it into state schools. If you do that, there will eventually be a feed through into um, the county youth systems of more black, Asian youngsters playing cricket. That will feed into your system. That will enrich your county system. That will enrich your national system. So in actual fact, you almost have to make the system bigger not smaller. So I would go in completely the opposite direction to the one that Mr. Peterson is going in. But but that takes that takes a major reset to make that happen. Um, the, the other thing you've got to bear in mind, of course, and I need I need to bear in mind that um, my groundsman friend um, Mr. Domain, the head groundsman at Durham, might listen to this podcast and he'll kill me if I say county cricket pitches are rubbish. Um, they're not rubbish, but we are, we are tying groundsmen's hands behind their back if we're trying to play Red Bull county cricket at the bookends of the county season in April and September. So we have to address the schedule. Um, all those things feed into what is wrong with the county system and why have we only been number one test side in the world for 12 months in the last 42 years. All those things feed into it. It's not a matter of just saying, oh, we need, we need franchises, county cricket's rubbish, I love white ball cricket. That's nonsense. Uh, but also... On the other end of the spectrum, it's wrong to also say, and I have many friends who make this point, um, that the invention of the 100 has caused the problems with test cricket in England because the 100's only been here for 12 months and the problems in English test cricket and county cricket have been there a lot longer than that. So there's all sorts of issues up in the air.
Yeah, no, uh, that you're right. There's there's a lot of things to consider, and with the county schedule, especially, um, you know, with the hundred as well occupying the summer, and then you've got obviously international cricket, but then there isn't really a, a specific like they've sort of pushed county cricket to the edges and pushed it to like the irrelevant periods of time in a way, and that means that people aren't going to come and watch it as well. Like you know, there's not going to be if you okay, I guess in April, um, it might be watched, but especially in September, um, you've got younger kids aren't going to watch it, and they won't be able to take that experience and you know see see do they want to become cricketers do they want to play in the county cricket system and in terms of like uh cricket played in schools and things uh i just think it's really focused it's it's really specific on certain groups of people can like especially uh, generally people who are richer have more access to things like cricket if you look at football and the model that football has you know people play football in every school in any school it's just it's played because you know you need two goals people play it and we can get cricket to that system you know with cricket you don't need very much either you know if you get a, a tennis ball about and uh, plastic stumps you can play it anywhere but we have to get that level of accessibility and then we can get people interested in it and then it feeds through but also there is a question from people there are a lot of um, Asian and black people who do play cricket at um, a kid's level so at a, a junior level but then those feeding into um county cricket and actually playing it either semi-professionally or professionally it's very minimal like you've, you've barely there's barely any representation in county cricket of asian people and black people and other minorities you've even though there's a lot of people who play as um, young kids and that's something that also needs to be addressed because if there's if that feed through if it's very narrow and there's not many people are going to go through then even if you increase the um the amount of people who play um, cricket as kids is still it's still going to be too narrow that there's not going to be many people that actually decide to take it as a career and I think that's also got down to do with um, the visibility of county cricket as well you know it has to be has to be more visible if you want to do a Red Bull reset and you want to become, make England cricket, England's Red Bull cricket a lot better. You've got to make county cricket more visible. Like at the moment, you know, you can watch it. Like I've watched county cricket on YouTube, for example, they do some streams like that um, and you can go to stadiums, but it's generally like its popularity is not increasing. It's, it needs to, it needs to be put at the forefront, like how the hundred was put at the forefront, like how the white ball teams are put at the forefront of our, um, of our screens in terms of cricket. You've got to do that with Red Bull as well and give Red Bull that equal amount of time. Otherwise, you're not going to get the results. And I think that's um, pretty safe to say that we're not going to make an improvement. But um, Zaid, is there anything else that you think um, in terms of any other issues with um, county cricket or anything you want to uh, point out on? I guess, um, John, you've probably highlighted all of the things. Some of them I didn't really ever, ever think of, you know, like, with, with schools, I've never really thought of that. It's just, I really opened my mind even more now. And I just think like, as you said, Avinash, like we all, we, we all watch a little bit of county cricket every now and again, maybe go to a stadium or watch on YouTube or something like that. And um, the popularity is not, and if we always think about, well, to make England cricket more popular, let, let's, let's, I don't know, let's, let's stream women's games. Let's, let's get the popularity more. Let's um, get, get more popular English cricket well, then let's go further back from that. They need to um, make county cricket more popular because if you don't have popular county cricket, you're not going to get players out. Uh, you're not going to get a popular English cricket. Going even further back from that, you need schools. You need uh, more like you need more cricket available back in schools. So it all starts from back, like all the way further back to schools and young young people. So if we have uh, young more young people. In, uh, involved and exposed to playing cricket, then we can have uh, better county players and in the popularity of county, this county system can improve. Then you can go further to 
all the way um, feeding into England, where you can have players going into England, even better players, and popularity just just improves. So I think um, the only issue with trying to get um, cricket more popular in schools, I think, is that it's more like a very long term thing. It's going, it's not nothing's immediately going to happen, right? So it's just gonna like we're thinking like 10, 20 years down the line here. So that's the only issue, but it's definitely worth looking at. And there are so many issues, like as as John you mentioned, but I think the main one is school. So like it's 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 definitely like worth looking into to trying to get cricket more popular in state schools or private schools, whatever it is, and having more players exposed to it. So and um that will help more uh, get get English cricket much more popular and uh, we can eventually get for better players so there's no immediate thing I don't think so I, I think just um, in English cricket the ECB just need to look at um, plans for the future and just look at 10-20 years down the line we can have a much better English cricket. Yeah no that's perfect yeah we've got to the earlier we start the better it is for English, English cricket you know we can't delay it and start in t- another 10 years and it takes 10 years itself. Um, let's let's go on to a more cheery note. Let's go on to the IPL, which is actually starting in six days, funny enough. And uh, I was actually so shocked. You know, the, the most recent IPL uh, was a very, I think it was in, started in September. There's a bit. And then there was, because of COVID, there's been a bit of issues. But yeah, we've got two extra teams as well. Um, uh, the Lucknow Super Giants and I think it's Gujarat Titans. And they've actually, had um, some of them have had uh, incredible um auctions and there's been some big players signed up especially uh, as well as like new talents who have performed well on the international scene who've been rewarded with an IPL contract John do you have a team that you would say is the favorite at the moment or is it just too open to tell I think I think because I mean clearly Covid is still casting something of a shadow um over the tournament and from from my understanding most of the tournament's going to be played in Mumbai. Um, and that being the case, um, it's, it's hard past Mumbai because they will have, for me, they will therefore have more fan base for a start um, and they will be in more familiar surround. So, and, and let's be honest, um, they're a very strong side anyway. They, they're, Traditionally and statistically, um, they're a very strong side with, you know, powerful, powerful players at, at their disposal. So, you know, hard to hard to look past them in in many ways. Um, you know, you you know, you're talking. I'm, I'm just I'm just having a little look at um, their team. I mean, I mean, obviously, if you if you've got Rohit, Rohit, and you've got Ishan and you've got Bumra, um, then you've got the skeleton of a very powerful um, looking lineup. Um, that said, um, if I was looking at a team that's not done very well over the last few years that I think may make a big impact this time, um, I would go to the Punjab Kings because I think their recruitment has been amazing really I mean they've um, they've lost um, Raul but they've got in uh, Shika um, Shika Darwan so that's that's very much to their favour um, 
they've also recruited um, Kagisa Rabada. Um, you know, um, what were Delhi Capital's thinking um, letting Kagisa Rabada leave their franchise? I think, I think that could well prove to be the worst um, decision of the year, uh, frankly. Um, for me, for me, Kagisa Rabada is the first scene bowler on my list in any format. There you go. I've said it. I've nailed my colours. Um, I think, let's face it, he was the Purple Cap winner two years ago. The, the IPL before last, he was the Purple Cap winner for Delhi Capitals. What were they thinking? That's nuts. Um, I think he could well be the Purple Cap winner again. And if he is, Punjab are going to go close. Now, added to that, of course, they've also recruited Johnny Bairstow, um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, that, gives, that gives them lots of options. Do, do, they, do they open with him? Do they have him as a finisher? What, what do they do with him? Um, and they've also recruited Liam Livingston. Well, there's some firepower for you. Um, so, so for me, Punjab Kings are the team to keep an eye on in the IPL. Yeah, no, I think talking about Kahisa Rabada, um, honestly, he's 100%. I don't understand why they've, um, why DC have just let him go. Like, you offer him as much as you, as much as you want, just keep him because him and Anik Nokia can, like, a two pace um, partnership will just, just knock, knock over teams like really easily. And they've shown it and they've done it over the last couple of seasons. But actually, I'd say there's probably another, uh, probably the worst piece of business um, is actually um, Sunrisers letting Rashid Khan go. That was honestly just, uh, that's honestly ridiculous. I do not understand. Rashid Khan, his economy, the amount of wickets he takes, he's taken like he took 20 wickets in I think the last IPL. And he's also going like economy of under seven. Like that's exactly what you need. And somehow you let him go. Like you've got teams have got a big enough budget to offer like uh, people like Rashid Khan, you know, 16 crore or 18 crore, even 20. It doesn't really make a difference. He could be the highest paid player, but he's he's worth it in every in for every um rupee that you pay him, he's completely worth it. And I just don't understand why they let him go. But for me, I think personally, um, Lucknow Super Giants uh, would be my team to bet on because um, considering they've got Kale Rahul, who's a proven scorer, you've got Quinton de Kock, you know, two, oh, two keepers um, could open. You've got Evan Nose with power. I just think they, they look the best. And um, uh, they, and they're not like short in bowling either. They've got Arvesh Khan, who took like 30 or 27 wickets last IPL. Uh, you have Krunal Pandya, you know, Spinner, um, Ravi Bishnoi. Oh my God, we've seen him in um, for India. He's been bowling really well. They've got um they've got pretty much every base covered, and they also actually have um, Mark Wood as well, um who's got pace, um but I think he's actually missing out on the IPL unfortunately, but um you know the contract's not one year I think it's like two so even next year we could be looking at so they look like they have all the bases covered and for me they would be my like team to bet on but hundred percent I agree that Punjab Kings are looking a lot better than they did last season but Zaid who who would your um sort of team to look out for be. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to agree with John on this one. I think uh, Punjab Kings is definitely a team to look out for. And I just think there's been the auction has been a bit interesting, isn't it? Like, we've seen, like, normally you see, like, IPL. A lot of the teams, they stay similar majority of the years. 
And but then this year we we've got some completely different teams coming in. Obviously we've got two new teams, Lucknow, and uh, we've got two new teams coming in. So I think um, Yorkshire's been weird, really. Like Rashid Khan, that's just a bit shocking, really. Why have you let him go? And same thing with Craigie Sirabaka, like two amazing bowlers that both contenders for the purple cap. Why on earth have you managed to let them go for two respective teams? So I think. Delhi Capitals, for me, have just kind of just dug themselves a hole, really. Like, you, why would you give up your, probably your best bowler, like, Kogusha Rabada? He can get you wickets in all formats. So, I think he's one of the best bowlers in T20 cricket. And it's just a bit shocking, really, why have you let him go? So, I think Punjab Kings, they've got, um, they've really improved for, from the last previous years. And I think they are definitely a team to look out for. They've got um, new players coming in. And they've got a, some, plenty of firepower, as you said, John. So I think Punjab King, King is a contender to win uh, this year. And I think definitely a team to look out for. Yeah. So we've touched on a bit about the two new teams, but um, the, the, we haven't really talked about the impact of those teams. You know, we've got two uh, new teams, means more matches. John, do you think this is like the last expansion of the IPL? Do you think it could get bigger? And what is going to be the actual impact on the players themselves? considering they have two new teams to face and that means more matches. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess this this feeds into is is 10 franchises rather than eight a good idea. Um, if, if I'm honest, guys, I think the jury's out on that, um, particularly in a year where because of COVID, it's going to be geographically restricted. Because because you're not going to get you're not going to get those teams operating in, in their own region, so that makes it harder for them to draw in a proper fan base um, who who are going to who are going to go and watch their games. Um, that in turn could make it harder to sustain the momentum of a tournament that's going to last that much longer um and also and also i guess you have to ask um is bearing in mind the conversation that we've just had um is a is a white ball is an extension of the biggest white ball tournament in the world um going to have further detrimental effect on red bull cricket um possibly um so i mean i've no doubt it's good news for the bcci um because ultimately uh, their tournament will be bigger and it will make them more money um and as probably the power brokers of world cricket at the moment um that's good news for them yeah no i i agree i think um to be fair, you do have seen a lot of players, like um, especially from England, just leave out, um, not go to the IPL or just decide they're not going to uh, do it for a certain year because they want to focus on, you know, international cricket and their county seasons. But still, it's not focusing on their county Red Bull seasons. It's always focusing on, their, you know, the T20 blasts and things like that. So I honestly think that it's they're not really 
no one's really going to miss the IPL because it's a huge payout for the players. You know, they're earning, that's where they earn a lot of their income from. You know, a lot of countries, especially in like countries that are like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth and tenth ranking in the um, ICC rankings, they don't get paid very much. So that's really their main source of income. And I just think that it's it's sort of, it works in favour for some, but it doesn't work in favour for others. But to be fair, in India, they have like the Ranchi Trophy, I think. And it's worked out pretty well for them. You know, the Indian team is scoring loads of runs. You know, the Indian team is very successful in test cricket. But from a British perspective, I wouldn't say that um, the extension of an IPL uh, is actually going to make an, uh, it's not going to make a benefit for us. You know, we're, we're going to still, um, there's still going to be, you know, there's going to be more players who want to go to the IPL. There's going to be with more franchises, mean more opportunity for English players, which means there's going to be less quality players in the county circuit. But it also works out that, you know, you, with less, um, it also gives opportunity for younger players and um, who play for counties to, um, uh, such as players who played in the under-19 World Cup, for example. If they have their respective counties, they could, you know, um, fill the void of an international player. So it just, it works in favour for some, but it doesn't work in favour for others, I think. How about you, Zay? What's um, your the views on the extension of the uh, IPL? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think it's just like, it's just not really necessary. I don't think, what's the point? You're maybe CCI or uh, whoever's running it, they, they, they earn more money, they get more money. But like, how much more money do you need? The IPL is making so much money. So like, I don't really see the point of adding two new teams, I guess. Like, I, I think, I think I was, I was happy with the uh, eight teams before because I just think that was like... Um, I think there was a really high level of cricket. India were getting new players as well, like Prithvi Shaw, Shukran Gill, getting plenty of new players, scoring loads of runs, getting some new bowlers. So I'm not really happy with the fact that they've added two new teams. I don't really see the, the point of it. It's not necessary for me because, like, it's just like, what are you going to do with 10 teams? It's not really going to change anything, really. Like, I just think, like, um, with eight teams, I think that was for me, much more enjoyable to watch with less teams, but a really high quality of cricket. So I just think eight teams are just, for me, just better than just adding two new teams. For me, it's just like the VCCI, they want to change the IPL. They just randomly added two new teams. That's that's how I see it. If I I miss something, I'm not sure. But I think, I just think it's just not necessary with two new teams. I just think Eight teams was a much better system to go by. Mm, I think it's obviously one, it's a money based thing, as John said. It's also um, the fact that it's just poor timing with COVID and everything. You know, I think it could have delayed it until COVID is just a bit more, you know, it's not going to have as much of an impact. But to be fair, like it could have an impact for the next like five years for all we know. But um, yeah, I just don't think it just isn't the right time and it's just not necessary. But we, we, we can just see, we have to see what happens, you know. We, we, we can't tell until the IPL starts and see how players are feeling. Are they fatigued by playing more matches and, like a sh- and um, you know, and being away from home for longer and bubbles, things like that. There's a lot to think about. But um, I think let's just talk about, uh, like, probably you. everyone has a, like, top batter and top bowler. Um, I'll start. I think in terms of top batter, uh, I don't know. I, for me, I honestly want to see Johnny Bairstow. Um, score loads of runs I just he he deserves you know he's a very good cricketer I love him in um, all formats of the game and he's he scores like um, he can score 300 runs a season but I want to see him score a bit one season where he can score like 600 700 runs and you know propel himself uh, even on the IPL stage you know everyone knows how good he is uh, for England but no one's really seen him too good in um 
the IPL. So I'd like to see him. And in terms of bowler, uh, I don't really know. Um, I think for me it would be Wanindu Hasaranga. Uh, this basically it's pretty much because like I'm Sri Lankan and I like um, watching Sri Lankan team, but I think he's been impressive on the T20 um, stage and he's like taking wickets and he scored runs. If he can score 300 runs this season, take 15 wickets, I think he's probably worth it. You know, he's doing an all rounder role. But um, he's batted up at five for Sri Lanka before, so easily he could bat up high for um, uh, uh, for his um, IPL franchise. So he'd be my bowler as such, um, top bowler. How about you, John? Who would you be your top batter and top bowler um, that you want to see perform this season? Well, one, one of the things I was going to raise earlier is that obviously it's, it's a new era for several teams um, because they're, you know, they've... They've gone away from their their captain of of, of previous years, um, and obviously Kolkata Knight Riders come into that category with um, with Morgan um, not um, not around. Um, that raises for me the issue of um, Shreyasaya, um, who I love watching bat. Um, I just love watching the guy bat. I think he's. I just think he's a quality striker of the ball. He he manipulates the ball really well. Um, he's not he's not what I would term a slogger um, in in any sense really. Um, obviously, if he's um, playing the leading role at Kolkata Knight Riders and um, having to make runs, that's that's a big pressure, but I think I think it's one he's up for. Um, I would expect to see him very prominent. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously, obviously, obviously bowler-wise, I can't go too far away from Kagisa, um, who I think will be seriously motivated to show Delhi Capitals that they made a very bad decision. Um, and from experience, if, if he can control, if he can control his aggression, um, it's never a particularly good idea to upset Kagisa Rabada, uh, because he's dangerous enough when he's happy. Um, if he's unhappy, then look out really. Um, the, the, the only other person I I was actually going to flag up was, I'll be very interested to see how Tim David gets on in the IPL. Um, whether he'll get a huge number of opportunities at Mumbai with their team, I don't know, but um, he made a big impression in the 100 here last year um, in, in all sorts of ways, batting-wise, um, and also in the field. He's very um, athletic as well. So, uh, yeah, a, a sort of... Um, yeah, one, one on the fringes to keep an eye on, perhaps. Yeah, no, I think um, Mumbai's uh, top order as well was a bit shaky towards the um, uh, end of the last last um, IPL. It was just that's one of the things that probably didn't allow them to um, challenge as much for the title. So um, I think that, yeah, I think that they can, um, Tim, Tim David probably have a good role in the team. You know, he might not, he might not play every match, but 100%, if there's, um, they'll easily be like some rotation and easily he'll, at least, I think he should hope to play at least half the matches. 
and that's actually quite a lot of matches as well. It's a good um a good platform for him to you know show how what good he is on the international stage. But Zaid, who'd be your um main batter and bowler to look out for? Yeah, so as we're on the topic of Tim David, I think yeah, he's he's one to look out for. As you said, John, he's been doing did really well in the hundred. He really really stated he stated how like he, he is a player to look out for, which is what you want as a bowler, really. You want to when you get the opportunity, you want to show that look at me, I'm a player that I can get you wickets or I can score runs or whatever it is. So I think Tim Day is one to look out for. I think for me though, um definitely um bowler that I'm thinking of is Rashid Khan all the way really he's just really world class bowler uh, probably the best T20 bowler for me at, at, the, at, at the moment so I just think Rashid Khan definitely one to really look out for really really excited to see him bowl and also I'm a leg spinner so I'm, yeah so I really like Rashid Khan the way he bowls with his pace is, is completely different to Shane Warne but as effective so I think Rashid Khan so it's definitely for me um, top bat, a top bowler to look for. And in terms of batting, I'm really, really excited to see Richard Guy called uh, bat bat this season. I think last season he played really well, uh, competing with Faf Dupas in the end, really for the uh, Orange Cap there. So really, really, um, really exciting young talent. And that's I think we I really like with India is that they've got so many young talents. Under 19 World Cup or young players like Shukman Gill, Prithvi Shaw, Richard Gaikwad. So I think uh, for me, main batter to look out for is going to be for me, Richard Gaikwad, because I just think he is like looking, just looking class, really. He got the opportunity um, a couple of seasons ago and performed there. And then he played the whole of last season. So really excited to see him uh, hopefully open the batting and scoring some more runs. So he's probably the main batter for me. Yeah, I know. In order for him to cement his sort of place in the India team, or especially in the future, if he can show he can score a similar amount of runs as he did last season, that's per- perfectly going to um, suit with suit with the um, India selectors and they'll easily put him in the team. You know, um, it's sort of an end of an era for the Indian national team as well with people like Rohit Sharma's not going to be around for a long time, you know, for maybe a few, three years, maybe, probably. And then you've got um, Virat Kohli as well. Got Chiteshwar Pujara and like Test cricket, Ajinka Rahane. You got this sort of like it's sort of coming to sort of an end of an era. So we're looking India looking for a lot of new players. So to know that they've got that talent is just um especially good. But yeah, I I think that's I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, thank you, John, uh, for being on this episode. Um, we've really enjoyed it. You know, we've enjoyed your analysis and uh, yeah, uh, um, thank you, Zay. Uh, see you on the next one.